Hey yo everyone and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode we're going to be talking about anime episodes 107 to 109 which will be covering manga chapters 171 through 176. Here we go heading into the climax of the Alabasta arc but before that can happen the Straw Hats somehow need to get free of Crocodile's trap so let's get into how they go about that. So, the synopsis. Crocodile has now deployed his officer agents to carry out his utopia operation by kidnapping and impersonating the king, Cobra, and attacking the people of Nanohana unprovoked to be the last straw into forcing the rebellion to go on an all-out attack against the capital. During all this, the Straw Hats desperately try to escape the trap they find themselves in at Rain Base. So, differences. I only saw a few changes in these episodes, and it's mostly down to the arrangement of certain scenes. The first, the opening episode of 107, the scene of Koza recounting the events that led him to starting the rebellion, is rearranged a bit and reversed with the discovery of the disappearance of Cobra. In the manga, it starts out with Chaka discovering Cobra is missing, and then it shows the flashback scenes of Koza. The second instance is in episode 109, the key reveal of the Straw Hats utilizing Mr. 3's Dorudoru power to make the key actually is played as a surprise twist and is shown as a slight flashback. In the anime, you see the sequence with the key and Crocodile walking down the hallway telling Miss All Sunday and us, the audience, the key he left was a fake intercut with each other so we see both happening at the same time. But in the manga, we only see Crocodile and Miss All Sunday. So to us, we are now wondering how they're going to get out of this. But then it's revealed that they escaped and then it's a surprise twist. It's only till later is it revealed how they got out, and the whole scene with Mr. 3 is told in a flashback, which I actually found cooler. I'm not sure why they changed it, to be honest, aside from maybe they were worried about confusing the audience. But anyways, that's pretty much all the real differences are in these few episodes. But with that, let's get into my thoughts. So we begin these episodes with the unfolding of Crocodile's utopia operation, and it's pretty diabolical. It's Incredibly maddening for so many reasons. Not only do we find that Mr. Two is disguised as Cobra to make him look like a corrupt and selfish king, and doing some pretty nasty stuff like kicking that kid, lying to the people, and threatening to kill the people of Nanohana for witnessing the dance powder incident from two years prior, and then the attempt at executing Koza in cold blood is a lot to, to do in one half hour, I guess. I mean, at that point, you really can't blame any of the citizens of Alabasta from rebelling against this regime after witnessing all of that. Just kind of on a side note, like I mentioned before on uh, a couple episodes ago, Koza is voiced by veteran actor Takeshi Kusao, and he does an amazing job here in these few scenes portraying the rage and betrayal in Koza's voice. And he has always been... One of my favorite voice actors, I mean, I love him as Future Trunks in Dragon Ball Z, and he again brings it as Koza in One Piece. However, after all that chaos, the little kid discovers the truth that everyone's been duped and is caught by Mr. One and Miss Doublefinger and is beat to the point of unconsciousness. That being the last straw, the rebellion is now prepared to attack Arubana. Chaka without Cobra has no choice but to defend the palace, playing right into Crocodile's plan, which is just freaking despicable and the worst thing imaginable any villain has done so far in the series to turn the good-natured people of a country against each other and it turn turns it into a meaningless massacre you feel the same rage that vivi and luffy experience and display and want nothing more than to just have luffy beat the shit out of crocodile 
Crocodile being the cruel and conniving villain he is, he presents Vivi with an impossible choice of saving her crew or her country. But despite all that, the thing that pissed me off is the revelation that Crocodile was the one who was sending sandstorms to Yuba, torturing Toto. The situation gets worse and worse as Vivi stands no chance of getting the key back from the banana gators, with the room filling up with water and all seems lost until Miss All Sunday receives a Denden Mush call from a certain Mr. Prince, and it's freaking Sanji to the rescue. I absolutely love how Sanji just keeps showing up at the best moments out of nowhere, and it's awesome. It's going to keep happening too. Also, the dialogue during this entire section is awesome and hilarious between the constant ridiculous requests from everyone of Vivi to run, but also to save them at the same time, and then Luffy boldly declaring that if they don't get out of there, who's going to beat up Crocodile, and then him losing consciousness every time he touches the the Kairoseki uh, bars, and it's just absolute chaos, but it's so funny. Despite the desperation of the situation of being completely outmatched by the banana gators, wanting to save her country but having eaten up precious time to save her crew, even though all that Vivi refuses to give up and keep fighting, she eventually escapes leading to one of the most hype moments of the series thus far. After all this crap and setbacks and the crew has had to endure throughout this arc, it crescendos into this marvelous reveal that not only is Sanji not down, but it was part of a plan to have Chopper act as a diversion and have Sanji sneak into the casino to save everyone, and he coolly reveals himself to Vivi while playing slots with some new shades. It's enough to make anyone watching or reading this to just jump up and fist pump and just yell, HELL YEAH! I can't tell you how cathartic and cool this moment is with Sanji just being the cool, calm, and strategic one of the crew, being there in the shadows to save them when everyone else is down, whether it was in Arlong Park, Little Garden, or here now, and Sanji is the ultimate ace in the hole of the Straw Hats, and I love it. Zoro and Luffy often get the overt hype moments more frequently, but I think the reason why Sanji's hype moments are so damn satisfying is because they come so unexpectedly and in the times when the crew needs him the most. Also, Chopper here is adorable as he's nervously trying to do what he can to help by running around yelling that he's Mr. Prince and rampaging around the Billions agents. The way he actually manages to escape from Crocodile is something I had never even considered and is pretty ingenious. And not only that, it's too funny and cute how he just sort of rampages around as his heavy point in the big form and then he just kind of disappears as he changes back to his brain point and he's in that tiny form. And just walks away looking like a little kid, just scared right right past Crocodile. Back in the cage, in another hilarious gag scene, Luffy and Usopp have a pointless argument over what to call the banana gator. Luffy frames it as an alligator that grew out of a banana, when it's obviously to us and Usopp that it's the other way around. It's an alligator with a banana growing out of it, but just... How this argument jumps all over the place nonsensically as they're in this dire situation always gets gets a laugh out of me. It's pretty funny. And the reveal that Miss All Sunday is something more. As Smoker mentions, she has a bounty of 70 million berries. And if she's involved, could lead to something that could have negative ramifications on a global level. This line is obviously very interesting here, foreshadowing something more about her. Miss All Sunday, so far is this incredibly mysterious character ever since her introduction, not quite knowing what her real motivations are. I remember always thinking to myself, 
what is this woman up to? Because it seems a bit like she's detached from the Baroque works as a whole, especially how the camera always seems to linger on her face as she takes notice of things not even Crocodile seems to care or be aware of, or she's interested in, in random things. And it's always just very odd how the camera always seems to linger on her in various mysterious ways. Not to mention, this woman has a surprisingly high bounty as she's more than twice Luffy and only 10 million less than Crocodile, which is wild. We also get another bit of foreshadowing with Zoro as it really plays up the fact that he's frustrated he can't cut the metal bars. And uh, this ability will no doubt come into play as a path of growth for Zoro to be able to cut through steel at some point in the future. And just as Zoro is lamenting that fact, Sanji is heard out of nowhere with this with his famous dining analogy combat speak. I don't know what if you would call it that. I kid you not, while this scene is cool in the manga, watching this for the first time in the anime blew me away how good it is. First off, the slow build to the kick and the reveal of Sanji to the massive explosiveness of the kick on full display to two awesome hero shots of Sanji during and after the kick is awesome. But I think what really sells it is Hiroaki Hirata's voice acting here because of how he does the same thing with the move call out. He says anti-manner in in a calm tone and then just quickly yells out, kick course! And it's nothing short of awesome. Then that sweet, sweet jazz theme starts playing with Sanji saying his cool one-liner and Luffy and Usopp yelling, Prince! (laughs) It's so funny and so awesome. I mean, Sanji, yeah, Sanji's moments are just so hype. But of course, in One Piece fashion, this moment, they also throw in a comedic moment right after that, that epic one to balance it out and keep us from getting bored. Normally, this type of undercutting a great moment would bother me, but in One Piece, for some reason, it always works and it just adds to the moment with Sanji just all lovey-dovey over Nami and just waving his arms and then Zoro calling him an idiot. I love how Luffy has complete confidence that Sanji can take all those banana gators too at once. Luffy's just like, take them all down! (laughs) And Sanji, with the help of Smoker's memory and attention to detail, finds the gator with the key, but instead of a key... Mr. Three comes flying out with inside of a wax ball. However, it's revealed that the key was a fake, but Usopp, being the clever guy he is, figures out that they can use Mr. Three's wax powers to make a replacement key. I do also really like the once once free Luffy and Zoro beat up all the banana gators in a minute off screen. <laughs> Poor Vivi's reaction to the to that fact that it took her forever to just take down one of them and Zoro and Luffy do it in a matter of seconds. It's so funny, yet so sad. There's also this really cool sequence of events at the end of this episode, and probably it's at this point where my love for Smoker really started. The room begins to flood, and everyone gets swept away. Obviously, Luffy and Smoker can't swim as they're devil fruit users. Instinct would be to leave him for dead, as he's an enemy, but Luffy, in an instant before he's swept away, orders Zoro to save Smoker, because I think he'd got his usual gut feeling about people and realizes Smoker is a good person deep down, and he is somewhat rewarded for that feeling as Smoker, in exchange, decide to let him go just this one time. However, I think it's at this moment that Smoker realizes that something is different about Luffy and the Straw Hats, and that they aren't the typical evil pirates he usually beats down. With that, these episodes come to an end, and now we are well on our way to the final conflict. But before I finish off this episode, I gotta talk about 
a new ending. So yeah, we get a new ending here. And thank goodness because we all know how I felt about the last one. The new ending we get is titled Glory Kimi ga iru kara or Glory Because You Are Here performed by Takako Uehara. This is a theme that's very much centered around Vivi and her thoughts and feelings. We see her journey from her childhood to her time with the Straw Hats and the lyrics match with her story really well talking about how she gains strength from the fact that they're here with her supporting her and I really like this ending theme. It's a really nice song to listen to and it gives me this sort of inspirational feeling and the animation is very pretty. I mean, it's it's pretty basic, but it's just nice to see the, the Straw Hats sort of waiting for her on the horizon as she uh, reflects on her time and then, you know, rushes to catch up to them as they all welcome her back. It's a, it's a really sweet ending, and I, and I really like this song. Anyways, with that, this is now the closing of Act 2 of the Alabasta arc. We now head into Act 3, the climax of the story. Honestly... I don't want to give anything away for the next episode, but at the time, this was the honestly like one of the most shocking things I saw in not only One Piece, but in manga or anime at all. But not to get too far ahead of myself, we'll get into that next podcast. If you enjoyed this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes or to see some random pictures. That would be cool too. Anyways, um, just a really tiny minor spoiler section. It's literally going to be like 30 seconds, I feel like. But if you don't want to stay for that, um, I just wanted to say thank you. And I will hope to see you on the next episode. Bye. Alright, so mini spoiler section here. The only thing I really wanted to bring up here is the fact that Luffy saves Smoker. It's a very interesting one. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, inherently, I know Luffy can see that there are good Marines because, well, for one, his grandfather is a Marine, but he's also a good person. And I think Luffy also realizes the fact that, yeah, there can be good Marines and they're not all his enemy. They're more like obstacles. And so he never has any like personally ill will towards any of them. Well, aside from probably Akainu or Sakazuki, (laughs) you know, for reasons we'll get into um, later on. But yeah, I think in general, I don't think Luffy has any real ill will towards any of the Marines, especially, you know, with Kobe and with Garp, you know, he's he's got two people that he's actually really close with in the Marines. And I think he's he slowly warms up to Smoker and he likes Smoker more and more and more. And then, you know, we get that moment later on with Tashigi sort of given the chance to take on Luffy, even though Luffy is trying to chase after Crocodile. And after having her ass handed to her by Miss All Sunday, we get that wonderful moment of Tashigi sort of questioning her justice and... and and whatnot, but again, relents to the fact that the right thing to do at that moment is to tell Luffy where Crocodile is, because she also knows that there is something wrong here in the fact that she's unable to maintain her justice because she's too weak, but has to rely on a pirate of all people. But anyways, yeah, I just really like the fact that relationship that Luffy has with Smoker and Tashigi and sort of that relationship he has with these two marines in particular and that's 
one of the reasons why I love Smoker and Tashigi because they are what justice is supposed to be if things were so, you know, were actually good. You don't have politics. You don't have corruption. These two Marines just want to do the right thing no matter what. And I and I really, you know, respect and appreciate that. And I think you start to see that with both of them here in Alabasta with Smoker and Tashigi. And, and that's one of the reasons why they're two of my favorite characters in the series. But anyways, with that, I'm going to bring this spoiler section to a close. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.